All right, how's everybody doing today? Hotep, hey, this is Michael M. Hotep, the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecture writer, and historian. So it is Friday, February 11th, 2022, and we are live. So I wanted to come on and uh, talk for a few minutes about the online class that I teach on the weekend, on Saturdays and Sundays, two of them, uh, dealing with uh, African history, African-American history. We know this is Black History Month, African-American History Month. So there's a 10-week online class that I teach called um, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school, okay? And Kemet, one of the original names for Egypt. Um, this is a 10 week online class that I teach and we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the, uh, transatlantic slave trade taking place. So I'm going to do a brief overview of this, uh, 10 week online course. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips, all of that. All right. All right. So how's everybody doing today? Share this broadcast on your social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in as well. And you can register for this class. We have uh, information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com uh, about this class. And I'll, I'll uh, give you the information also so you can register for this uh, 10-week online class. So we see that the uh, we see that African-American history is under attack. We see these uh, anti-critical race theory uh, laws being passed in various uh, state legislatures. And you have about uh, 34, uh, you, with, since 2020, you've had 14 states that have imposed uh, various types of critical race theory laws. Um, and this is a piece here from Axios.com. New rules are limiting how teachers can teach Black History Month. New rules are limiting how teachers can teach Black History Month. And this is causing, we see this attack on our history, but especially we see it coming from these critical race theory laws, okay? So some of the things that we uh, deal with in the class are the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. Uh, we deal with shocking archeological discoveries that are causing experts to rethink everything. Uh, we deal with how insurance companies uh, that took out policies on uh, on slave ships and enslaved Africans on the plantations. We deal with Freemasonry, uh, the origins of Freemasonry, America and the founding fathers, origins of the term America, Africa and more. And we take you throughout history as well. We take you throughout history. Uh, we do a thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, taking place. These are just a few of the things that we uh, look at in the class, and we go through and look at history chronologically. Also, we see these we, we see these attacks, uh, and they're, they're, these are different stories that I've covered here on the African History Network as well. Uh, mock slave auctions, racist lessons, how U.S. history class often traumatizes, dehumanizes Black students. This is a piece from uh, March of uh, 2021 from USA Today. Then also Republican state lawmakers want to punish schools that teach the 1619 project. OK, and this is from February of uh, 2021. All right. Um, we'll come back to that. This is one of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, who correctly teaches us whoever controls 
the images controls the, your self-esteem, self-respect, and self-development. Whoever controls the history controls the vision. Uh, so many of you have seen the interviews I've done with Dr. Leonard Jeffries throughout the years also. Okay, so if we look at uh, this here, and a lot of people ask who is Imhotep, um, and we see that um, even with Imhotep, the the name is distorted and the depictions are oftentimes distorted of Imhotep as well. But Imhotep was one of the greatest people who ever lived in human history. And he was a uh, he was known as the world's first multi genius. He was a uh, mathematician. Uh, he was a designer for the uh, designer of the step pyramid for the Subiti Zosier uh, in the third dynasty. And. Uh, he was a high priest, a physician, architect. Um, and now depend now the word Imhotep means he who comes in peace, he who comes in peace in the ancient metal that in the ancient metal netter language. Um, depending upon which timeline of history you're looking at, you may see that um they, they you can see him living between somewhere between 27 80 BC to 3000 BC, depending upon which timeline of history you look at, because we know at least uh, 130,000 years of our history has been stolen. I go with the oldest dates, you know, I can find. So you'll see him living circa around 3000 BC. OK, now this is a good book here from uh, Dr. Malefic Ketia Asante, uh, the Egyptian philosophers, ancient uh, ancient African voices from Imhotep to Akhenaten. And this deals with a lot of ancient African philosophers before uh, Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and things like this. Before them, there's a lot of ancient African philosophers, uh, Kunanup, uh, Patahotep, Kagimni, Sanchi, Imhotep, Akhenaten. He deals with this in that book. Okay, so now these are two... Um, well-known statues, uh, little small statues of Imhotep also, all right? So this is Imhotep, and this is not Imhotep. So in the 2001 uh, movie, The Mummy Returns, the villain's name, uh, one of the villain's names was Imhotep. And he was a high priest from uh, uh, ancient Egypt, okay? And he's depicted by this... Uh, by the actor Arnold Vosloo, and he's uh he looks Arab, Eurasian, what have you. And in the in the movie, he was evil. He was a villain. So consequently, many of our children will see this and think that one of uh, uh, our greatest ancestors, one of the greatest people ever lived in human history, they think he they'll think he was not African. Okay, so we have to be very cognizant of the, the type of images that we allow our children co to consume as well, because this is all programming, okay? Whatever is disseminated becomes imitated. Whatever is disseminated becomes imitated. And your thoughts create feelings, your feelings create actions and behaviors, your actions and behaviors create results. All right, now this is a uh, picture of the Step Pyramid at uh, Saqqara that uh, the Imhotep was an architect of. This is an early form of pyramid building called a mastaba, which means flat B. 
bench, B-E-N-C-H, flat bench, which is different than the um, pyramids that we see at Giza, the pyramids of uh, uh, Khufu, Khafre, and Menkere, but there are also smaller pyramids of African queens there at Giza as well that don't really get talked about a lot also, all right? And then we also see pyramid building in, in the Sudan or in Nubia, Ta-Nehisi, and there are twice as many pyramids in the Sudan as there are somewhere there's a little more than 200 in the Sudan. There's twice as many in the Sudan as there are in Egypt, because we know that Nubia or Ta-Nehisi was the mother of ancient Kemet and Abyssinia, Ethiopia is the grandmother of ancient Kemet as well. Uh, so these are all things that we deal with in the online class. How's, our, how's everybody doing? Hopefully you can hear me OK as well. Share this broadcast and social media platforms. We'd like your friends to tune in and you can register for this 10 week online course. Uh, I just posted a link here and you register at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's on sale, $80, regularly $130. Once you register for it, you have full access to it even after the 10-week online class is over with. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you, teach you in school. So I teach this on Saturdays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register there. As soon as you register, you can watch last week's class. We have bonus content uh, for you as well. On Sundays, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968, which uh, at the same time, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And we have a bundle pack where you, where you can register for both classes for only $120. They're regularly $130 each. So that's a $260 value for $120. We have bonus content you can watch on demand. And if you've taken any of my classes with me before, or any of my classes with me before, uh, you'll get 50% off uh, this bundle pack here. So email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com and you'll get 50% off also. All right. Uh, and let me continue here. Let me put the uh, email address up. Email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com and you'll get 50% uh, off. So when we look at the um, Asar, Aset, and Heru, who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, and Horus, the uh, also known as the first holy trinity and there's numerous sources on this um, tony browder talks about this and now valley contributions to civilization we, we we look at uh christianity before christ by dr john g jackson we look at the world's 16 crucified saviors by Kersey graves but um asara Aset, and heru who the greeks called osiris isis and horus and we're going to see that the Black Madonna and Child was worshipped in Europe even before the Moors go in. And we're going to see uh, there's still statues there in, uh, all throughout Europe, Spain and Portugal and France of the Black Madonna and Child. But that comes from Osset and Heru. Osset uh, was known as the first queen of Kemet. Kemet won the original names of Egypt, meaning land of the blacks. She was the wife of Osar, Osiris. Uh, mother of Heru. Heru was also known as the uh, as the first Ka rest. Ka meaning spirit, rest, R-S-T meaning to rise, R-I-S-E, or Christ, because the term, the word, the title Christ, which is a title, not a name. The title Christ comes from the Greek Christos, which comes from the Kemetic Ka rest. As you go through this history, and these are some of the things we deal with in the class, as, as we go through and look at this history, we see how these different civilizations were influenced by, by Africa in ancient Africa in the Nile Valley region of Africa. 
and uh Oset uh resurrects Asar after he's killed by his brother Set. Okay, in the mythology, his body's cut up into 14 pieces, and 13 of those pieces are recovered. The 14th piece is uh not recovered, it's the phallus. And she's going to erect a Tekken, which the Greeks called an obelisk. And a Tekken is a symbol of transformation and resurrection. She erects that as 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 a symbol of uh, a sar, uh, the resurrection of a sar, but also that last piece that was not recovered. And we see the Tekken, we see that in Freemasonry, and we see that's also the Washington Monument. Now, here's another depiction of Osset with the throne on her head, because and her name Osset means she of throne, because whoever sits on the throne in ancient Kemet as Nesubiti or Pharaoh or king, that's determined through the woman side of the family's matrilineal. So it's determined through who coming through the woman side of the family, coming through the womb of the woman, she of throne. So um, Osset is associated with love and fertility. And, and we're going to see that the different deities or the, or the, uh, the Netaru, okay, uh, Netar for singular, Netaru for plural, these different forces of na nature, these different manifestations of the one supreme force, one supreme being, we're going to see that they have different attributes, but also when we look at uh, Venus and Aphrodite and we, when we look at these different deities in, in, uh, amongst the Greeks and the Romans, etc., we're going to see they have different attributes as well, and we're going to see that, that many of them are going to be variations uh, of the deities coming from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. So from Osset and Heru, and Heru being born on December 25th uh, by virgin birth to Osset, and we see this in the mythology as well. From Osset and Heru, we get the Black Madonna and Child and the worship of the Black Madonna and Child that we see worship throughout Europe. And then from that, we get the decolorized version. We get the uh, uh, the Virgin Mary and the baby Jesus. And we know that at the time that the Bible was written, at the time all this was supposed to take place, the letter J didn't exist because the letter J is derived from the letter I. And the letter J wasn't created to 1630 AD. So when you look up the letter J in the dictionary, well, you look at the word Jesus in the dictionary, it takes you back to uh, the Hebrew uh yeshua with a y because the letter j didn't exist okay so one of the things that that we do we go through and we look at different languages and as you as you go through and one study the etymology of words two you, you start looking at different languages you can start seeing how we, you start seeing the impact of historical events and you start seeing as different uh ethnic groups and different groups of people interchange cultures you're going to see an interchange of ideas mythology stories language customs celebrations all different types of things like this and as you have a rise in the european phenotype coming out of the dark ages going into the renaissance era of the early 1500s as you have a rise in the european uh, as you have a rise in the dominance of european powers and they start to conquer people's land 
they start to conquer people's land and slave people set up uh, uh colonies and, and set up sugarcane plantations and all different types of things like this and extract the, the the mineral wealth out of people's land and use this to rebuild their own european nations that have been devastated by civil war and devastated by plagues and disease things like this because for instance the the bubonic plague the black death hits in spurts from 1347 to 1400 Europe is going to lose somewhere between a third to a quarter of their population. Estimates are between somewhere between 25 to 75 million people are going to die in Europe between about 1347 and 1400. Okay. So when, when you go through, and one of the things we do, we look at the film, um, we look at, look, look at the film Black Panther and see how the film Black Panther, uh, had african culture infused into the film okay but there's an article from history.com the official website of the history channel which shows a comparison between west african nations that were thriving in in the 14th century while europe is devastated by civil war and disease okay all right so How's everybody doing? Share this broadcasting on social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in. Uh, I'm Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. So I'm doing a brief overview of this 10-week online class that I teach. It teaches on Saturdays uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. You can register for this at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and the link is also here in the thread of this broadcast uh next class is uh, saturday february 12th we do, but this do, we do this on saturdays 2 p.m to 4 p.m eastern standard time this class just started up uh and as soon as you register you can uh watch last week's class so we do the sessions live all the sessions are archived and recorded all the sessions are archived and recorded you can go back and watch anytime even a year from even a year from now if you want to go back and watch the entire class you can do that okay so you, you'll still have access to it. The class is regularly uh, $130 is on sale, $80. And you can use this with your children. Also, I would say the content is PG 13. All right. So I, I don't do a lot of cursing. It's not crazy. I don't call people racial epithets and things like this. All right. So I'm gonna post a link here and you can also register for the bundle pack because uh, you can register for both classes that I teach for only $120. And that's uh, the regularly $130 each. Okay. All right, let's continue here. We'll post a link here as well. All right, so some other things that I deal with in the class, and we go through and look at thousands of years of history. And we also deal with the African presence in the Americas going back at least 56,000 years ago. We look at what was the transatlantic slave trade? What were some of the events that led up to the transatlantic slave trade starting? And we go through and look at history chronologically and we look at a timeline of history to really understand cause and effect, to really understand how different events lead up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. What role did Christopher Columbus play? Even though Columbus did not create the transatlantic slave trade, it goes back to 1441 with the Portuguese. But we look at things that lead up to that taking place. We know that Columbus was central to the spread of the transatlantic slave trade. He's conquering on behalf of Spain. King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella, okay? And we know that Columbus, and we look at Columbus and his four voyages, 
1492 to about 1504. We know he dies in 1506. But Columbus never came to the land that we call the United States of America. The closest he came here was Cuba, which is 90 miles away. But the Columbus conquering places like Hispaniola in the western third of the island of Hispaniola is where Haiti is or Haiti, what the Taino called Haiti. Okay. Um, Cuba was conquered by Columbus. Puerto Rico was conquered by Columbus. The, these island nations that Columbus conquers over 500 years ago are still dealing with the impact and still dealing with the side effects of being conquered by the Spanish. They still have not recovered over 500 years later. When did Africans first come to the U.S. as slaves? As enslaved Africans, if some people want to refer to the mass. Because even though 1619 did happen, the Spanish were taking Africans into the territory we call South Carolina in 1526. This is 93 years before 1619. Okay? And oftentimes that just gets overlooked. But Africans were here for tens of thousands of years before that even happened. We deal with did Africans set themselves into slavery and in, 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 in that complicated history. Were African people in the in, in America before the transatlantic slave trade? Absolutely. This was our land stolen from us. And one of the one of the books that I reference in the class, and, and you don't have to buy any of these books, is uh, the first Americans were Africans documented evidence by Dr. David M. Hotel, who's a friend of mine. I've interviewed him a number of times. Many of you have seen the interviews I've done with Dr. David M. Hotel. We'll talk about his work in just a minute. Because African people were in this land that we call the United States of America, going back at least 51,700 years ago, at least 51,700 years ago. These were the Khoisan who have the oldest DNA, oldest DNA on the planet. They go all around the world. They're the short-statured Africans. They're the ancestors to the Ainu and the Twa, and they were here in this land. And there was a discovery in 2004 in Allendale County, South Carolina, by Dr. Albert Goodyear that verifies this. Now, this doesn't mean the transatlantic slave trade didn't happen. What this means is, is that we were in this land for tens of thousands of years before the transatlantic slave trade happened. We had already circumnavigated the globe. And this oftentimes gets left out of history. So largely we're taught, and especially during African-American History Month or Black History Month, largely we're taught about history from 1619 and we talked about slavery and things like this during Black History Month. But when we studied Dr. Carter G. Woodson and the founding of the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, September 9th, 1915, and Dr. Carter G. Woodson, who's the father of Black History Month, and it started uh, the second week in February, February 7th, 1926, there's been an annual theme for African-American History Month, Black History Month, since 1928. And many of those things dealt with Africa, the continent of Africa and African history. It was never, one, designed to be the only time of the year we study our history. Two, it was not just supposed to look at our history here, but throughout the diaspora and also understand the history of African people in Africa as well. And the connection 
okay because these are things that dr carter g whitson was doing and teaching about so this um page here page 95 of now valley contributions to civilization by tony brown how's everybody doing share this broadcast and social media platforms how you like this type of information if you still need to register for this online class let me know we teach this on saturdays uh so next class is coming up uh next class is saturday february 12th 2 p.m to 4 p.m eastern standard time if we look at page 95 of non-valley contributions to civilization by tony browder he uh he, he talks about the 1984 nile valley conference in atlanta georgia and he says in 1984 at the nile valley conference in Atlanta, Georgia, Dr. Dr. Uh, Chandler, I'm sorry, Dr. Charles Kofer, professor of Old Testament at the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta, discussed the role of Egypt and Ethiopia in the Old Testament. He stated the following in the King James and Revised Standard Versions of the Bible. The word Egypt or Mitzrayim in Hebrew, along with cognates, occurs some 740 times in the Old Testament. The word translated Ethiopia and or Cush in Cush in Hebrew, along with cognates and including three instances of duplication in the references appears 58 times in the King James Version. In this version, the translation Ethiopia is used 39 times, Cush untranslated with cognates 19 times, the numerous references to Egypt led one Old Testament scholar to remark Quote, no other land is mentioned so frequently as Egypt in the Old Testament, end quote. To understand Israel, one must look well into Egypt. To understand Israel, one must look well into Egypt. So Browder goes on to talk about the story of Asar, Aset, and Heru who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, and, and, and Horus. And he says, Asar, Aset, and Heru is the first story in the recorded history of man of a holy royal family, of a holy royal family, the Trinity, Immaculate Conception, Virgin Birth, and Resurrection. Evidence of this trinity is known to have existed in ancient Nubia, Tanahesi, Nubia as late as 3300 BCE. So 3000 BCE before the common era, before Christ. Evidence of this first holy trinity is known to have existed in Nubia as late as 3300 BCE. Carved on the walls of the Temple of Luxor, circa 1380 BCE, around 1380 BC, 
are scenes that depict the following. Now, this may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness. And once again, this is just a brief overview of the type of information that I cover in this 10-week online class. The Annunciation, the Immaculate Conception, the Virgin Birth, and the Adoration. Because we're dealing with stories that are told over and over again, adapted to various people's cultures around the world. And their ethnicity is put on these stories, their names are put on them, etc. If you read Christianity Before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson, he really, really, he really, really does a good job of uh, breaking this down. Browder deals with this in Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization. He deals with this some, but if you read Christianity Before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson, there are other books and other books I have here as well. Now, you don't have to buy any of these books to be able to follow along in class. Okay, I use them for reference. Um, you can buy them if you want to, but you don't have to feel obligated to buy. It's not like a college class where you have to buy textbooks or you're going to fail the class because you don't have to worry about any of that um if you go back to this here so number one the annunciation okay if we look at the panels below the the, the drawings below we see number one over to my left um the annunciation the netter de Huti, who the greeks called thoth is shown announcing to the virgin all set the coming birth of their son heru number two the immaculate conception the netter nef k-n-e-p-h who represents the holy ghost who represents the holy ghost and the netter het heru who the greeks called hathor are symbolically impregnating all set by holding onx, the symbol of life, or you refer to it as the African Kia life or the African symbol for eternal life, the onk, A-N-K-H. They are symbolically impregnating or set the virgin by holding onx to the nostrils of the virgin mother-to-be. Then in panel three, the virgin birth Osset is shown sitting on the birthing stool and the newborn child is attended by midwives. Number four, the adoration. The adoration, the newborn Heru is portrayed receiving gifts from the three kings or magi while being adored, adored by a host of gods and men. Now in the, in the Bible, when they talk about the wise men, it doesn't say how many, okay, three, uh, three wise men or three kings is associated with the three stars in Orion's belt, Orion the hunter, the constellation of Orion the hunter. We know that Orion is followed by two dogs in the constellation, Canis Major and Canis Minor, the, the big dog and the small dog. In Canis Major, you have the star Sirius, which is the brightest star in the sky, the star Sirius. And Sirius is also re referred to as the dog star. Okay. 
in in ancient times the constellation of orion was the constellation of asar who the greeks called osiris now when you look at the virgin mary and you look at the uh constellation of virgo okay the the uh constellation and you have the uh astrological sign of virgo virgo is latin which means virgin virgo in latin means virgin the constellation of virgo in ancient times was the constellation of Osset, the virgin who the greeks called isis okay so as we go through this history we see how these stories get retold over and over again adapted to various people's cultures okay and then they get represented they get represented to us by europeans like they created like they created it themselves and they did not this is an example of that uh representing as if they created it created it themselves and may call it cultural appropriation or something like that the the tv show for the 1970s saturday morning tv show the secrets of isis and they had this on hulu a few years ago it, it may still be there i'm not sure because i went and watched some episodes so this was a tv show that came on in 1970s saturday morning they had the shazam and isis hour and i still have comic books from the 1970s that uh, because in, in the comic books, they would um, advertise the uh, Saturday morning TV shows and the Saturday morning cartoons. This is before there was a comedy. This, I mean, this was before there was a cartoon network, all that stuff. We didn't have cable. Okay. So, Saturday morning, all the new, this, this is when all the new cartoons came out the Super Friends and, 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 and uh, the, all the new TV shows, okay, uh, for, for children, Saturday morning. They had NBC, you, 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 and you'll see uh, they run the uh, the one or two, show the two minute uh, little commercial, uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Okay. I'm a bill on Capitol Hill. Lolly, lolly, get your adverbs here, all that stuff. Okay. That was Saturday morning. This TV show, The Secrets of Isis, had this white woman who was, she was a school teacher by day. She was a superhero. She got her powers from ancient Egypt. So when they when the TV show comes on and they they start talking about these names of different Netaru and they, and they tell you that she she gets her powers from ancient Egypt. Now they didn't say the ancient Egyptians were Africans. They ain't mention none of that. And they show her flying through the flying through the sky saving the world. And they have symbols from ancient Kemet, the sun disk and the horns of uh Heteru uh, all this stuff, the, 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 the wings of Ma'at, everything, or the wings of Ra, they have all this in the TV show, and they show this white woman, and they call her Isis. And I remember watching this in the 70s, and we didn't know that <laughs> this was a copy straight out of our history and culture. This is the um, picture from the the box, the DVD box set of the Secrets of Isis. Okay, but this is an example. So we deal with you know we deal with the different Netaru, 
and this is only part of the class. We go through this history chronologically as much as possible. And we look at different African civilizations. So my aunt was the female winged deity. She was a netter, winged deity. She was the personification of truth, justice, righteousness, balance, harmony, order, and reciprocity. And the 42 laws of Ma'at are a precursor to the Ten Commandments as well. Um, and when you die, your heart symbolically was weighed in the mythology. Your heart was weighed on the scale of Ma'at as well. This is depicted in the judgment scene, a famous scene called a judgment scene. OK, in, in ancient Kemet also. Now, this is. Um, my friend, Dr. David M. Hotep, who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence. And we reference uh, his book in the class also. Once again, you don't have to buy any of these books. Uh, this book came out in 2011. And his book is backed up by 713 footnotes and seven peer-reviewed articles. And his book deals with the, Afri the African presence in the uh, Americas dating back tens of thousands of years ago at the time his book came out um, at least 56,000 years ago in South America and at least 51,700 years ago in the land that we call the United States of America on page 14 of his book he lays this out and let me see So this is um, my copy of his first book. His, his, he has another book out that just came out in the last few months. The First Americans Were Africans uh, Revised and Expanded. The First Americans Were Africans Revised and Expanded. And I interviewed him October 12th, 2021 about his new book. Okay. And he has a lot, a, a lot more information in there. I think he has some like 200 additional pages. I have to get a copy of that one. All right. So the in 2004, there was a discovery uh, made in Allendale County, South Carolina, by Dr. Albert Goodyear. Dr. Albert Goodyear is an archaeologist from the University of South Carolina. And some of the articles that I reference in the class dealing with archaeological discoveries, we'll see Dr. Albert Goodyear quoted in them. Because uh, we look at a number of different archaeological discoveries that have happened in the past few years uh, that are called that are causing um, uh, scientists and archaeologists and paleontologists to, to rethink everything. One, two, to realize all of this is much older than they originally thought and it's causing them to push the timelines back as well. But. Uh, in Allendale County, South Carolina, in 2004, Dr. Albert Goodyear made this discovery, this archaeological discovery. They found 13 different types of evidence fairly documenting an African presence in the territory we call South Carolina, dating back at least 51,700 years ago. They found artifacts, architecture, campsites, carvings, Egyptian writings, footprints, and lava genetic M174D haploid groups dealing with DNA and genetics, linguistics, paintings, skulls, skeletons, structures, and tools. 
they found 13 different types of evidence fairly documenting this African presence. Okay. Now this is before Native Americans even come into existence. This is why when we deal with our history, especially during Black History Month, African American History Month, as it's called now, then the governing body for African American History Month or Black History Month is a SALA, Association for the Study of African American Life and History, which is the organization that Dr. Carter G. Woodson co-founded September 9th, 1915 in Chicago. This is why when we deal with this history, especially during the month of February, we, we need to deal with this history chronologically. We can't start talking about our history in 1619 or 1526 or in 1776 or, or what have you. We need to deal with this history leading up to that. Because the worst thing we can do is, is think that we first came to this land conquered and shackled and changed, conquered by Europeans, because that's not the case. We, we were here before they even came into existence. We were here before they even came into We were here in this land. I'm not talking about on this planet. We were here in this land that we call the United States. This was our land stolen from us. Yes, Native Americans were done in wrong. And when you when you study Native Americans, Native Americans, the people who we call Native Americans are the offspring of the intermix of, of the intermixing of Africans who were already here for tens of thousands of years and Asians who come here to this land about 3000 B.C. They intermix in their offspring or who we've been taught to call Native Americans, because when you look at a lot of old black and white photographs of Native Americans, these were usually a dark skinned people had dark skin high cheekbones okay these are usually a dark-skinned people and then you're going to have also groups of africans who are already here who get reclassified by europeans they get reclassified as native americans okay but, th but these were african people also now this is not to say that native americans were not treated unfairly by Europeans and European settlers and the U.S. government, things like this. I'm not I'm not saying that. But to understand the existence of something, you must first understand the pre-existence of existence is one of my teachers, Professor Kaba Hiawatha, Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene talks about. And actually, this um, book. Um, this one right here. Chronology of Native Americans, the ultimate guide to North America's indigenous people. When you go look at old black and white photographs of Native Americans, these were usually a dark skinned people. Once again, these, these weren't the uh, very, very light skinned, almost white looking Native Americans that you will see represented. Some of them represented today. That's not when you go look at when you go look at old photographs of them. No, that's not how they look. All right. Let's continue. How's everybody doing? All right. Now, this is uh, Dr. Albert Goodyear. Archaeologist from the University of South uh, University of South Carolina. Here's a picture of him. 
Uh, he's, he's, he's a white archaeologist. This is an article from ScienceDaily.com from 2004, November 18, 2004, 18 years ago. New evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago. New evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago. Now, this is a summary. This is about his discovery. This is a summary of the article. Now, this is not my summary. This is a summary from ScienceDaily.com, which is a scientific website. They have all types of different scientific uh, breakthroughs and archaeological discoveries, things like this at ScienceDaily.com. Radiocarbon tests of carbonized plant remains. Radiocarbon tests of carbonized plant remains where artifacts were unearthed last May. It would be uh, uh, May of um, May of uh, May of 2004. Unearthed last May along the Savannah River in Allendale County by University of South Carolina archaeologist Dr. Albert Goodyear indicate that the sediments containing these artifacts are at least 50,000 years old, meaning that humans inhabited North America long before the last ice age. Humans inhabited North America long before the last ice age. So who are these humans? These, these were the Khoisan. An October 2012 genetic study published in Science Magazine found that the Khoisan in Southern Africa also referred to as Bushmen, the Khoisan in Southern Africa are the oldest ethnic group of modern humans with their ancestral line originating about 100,000 years ago. Uh, 100,000 years ago, the Khoisan, formerly called by the derogatory term Bushmen, are genetically unique and no other currently known population had separated so early from our common modern human ancestor, according to the report. And there's a lot of information out there on the Khoisan that you can research. Um, so we look at different archaeological discoveries. And, and I like to look at this early in the, in the course to help lay a foundation to expand people's minds because people come to the class with different levels of understanding of history. And a lot of these archaeological discoveries that I talk about, people are not really familiar with them. And these are just a few here. There's a lot more. I have over 200 slides uh, for the for the course. Um, th this discovery came out in February of 2010. This is an article from the New York Times. On Crete, new evidence of very ancient mariners. On Crete, new evidence of very ancient mariners. This is one of the reasons why I say at least 130,000 years of our history has been stolen. And, and our scholars like Dr. Charles Finch and Renoko Rashidi, uh, we know Renoko passed away August 2nd, 2021. You know, they've been saying for years that Homo sapiens are um, at least 300,000 years old. Modern man is at least 300,000 years old, not 75,000 to 100,000 years old. But this discovery here found that uh, stone tools found on the Greek island of Crete 
over the course of two summers, archaeologists say are at least 130,000 years old. Archaeologists say these stone tools that were found are, are at least 130,000 years old, which is considered strong evidence for the earliest known seafaring in the Mediterranean and calls for rethinking the maritime capabilities of pre-human cultures. So now this discovery came out 12 years ago. How many people have never heard of this before? This was a archeological excavation over the course of two summers. Now, what makes this so interesting is that the Greek island of Crete has been an island for more than 5 million years, meaning that the tool makers must have arrived by boat. So this seems to push the history of Mediterranean voyaging back more than 100,000 years, specialists in Stone Age archaeology say. Previous artifact discoveries has shown people reaching Cyprus and a few other Greek islands and possibly Sardinia no earlier than 10,000 to 12,000 years ago. Well, this discovery blows this out the water and it's causing the, it's causing the scientists to have to rethink everything. They keep, you know, having to push the timelines back. You know, remember Juvenile had the song back in like 1988, 1999, back that thing up. They keep having to back the timelines up when these are and, and these archaeological discoveries are coming out like every week, every other week. There was one that I, there was one that I just saw that dealt with. Uh, and one one of the things that's interesting is when these discoveries take place, right? All the news outlets have articles on them. New York Times, Washington, Washington Post, NBC, L.A. Times, USA Today, CBS. Associated Press, National Geographic, uh, the Journal of Nature, all of them, okay, um, Smithsonian, uh, SmithsonianMag.com, they all have stories on this when these archaeological discoveries take place. Now, you may not see a whole lot of it maybe on, on TV, like on cable news and things like this. They may do, they may show 20, 30 seconds on it. There was um, there was an article from NBC News that I that I just saw in the past couple of days dealing with another discovery that just came out, and this dealt with um, the earliest known uh, human presence. I think it was in um, uh, Europe. Okay, let's go to this one quickly here. All right, how's everybody doing? Okay, who still needs to register for this uh, 10-week online class that I teach? Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. So we deal with thousands of years of history, and we deal with what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I teach this uh, class on Saturdays, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The class just started up. Uh and we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. As soon as you register, you can watch the class that I did last weekend. And we go through and we look at history chronologically. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips, etc. 
Um, classes on sale, eighty dollars. Regularly, one hundred thirty dollars. Once you register for, you can you you have full access to the class even after the class is over with. So, a year from now, if you want to go back and watch the entire course, you'll still have access to it. You can also register for both classes that I teach because on Sundays I teach from the Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power, eighteen sixty five to nineteen sixty eight, and that's two p.m. to four p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, so we have a bundle pack when you can register for both classes. For only one hundred twenty dollars, uh, they're regularly uh, one hundred thirty dollars each. Okay, so that's a hundred twenty dollar value, and uh, we'll post a link here for the course bundle also. But we we have it at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register there. Okay, if you've taken any of these classes with me before, any of my online classes, email me at ahnshow at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You get a fifty percent discount on. Uh, on the new classes okay all right so i want to look here at this uh th so this article here deals with a discovery that just came out um in this piece is from february 9th 2022 and once again these these discoveries are coming out every week or every other week Earliest evidence of modern humans in Europe discovered in France. Earliest evidence of modern humans in Europe discovered in France. The findings at uh, Grotte uh, Mandarin, a cave in the uh, Rhone Valley, about 80 miles north of Marseille, provide fresh evidence that modern humans lived alongside Neanderthals. This is a flint point thought to be the tip of an arrowhead found during the excavation. The earliest evidence of modern humans in Europe has been unearthed in a cave in southern France, showing they lived there at the same time as Neanderthals, something long, long suspected but never established before now. The findings at Grot Mandarin, a cave in the Rhone Valley about 80 miles north, focus on a single Homo sapiens tooth and on distinctive fragments of flint points that are thought to be for thought to be for the arrows and darts used for hunting by early modern humans. The discoveries push back the earliest date of our species homo sapiens in europe roughly by roughly ten thousand years to about fifty four thousand years ago according to a study on the findings published wednesday in the journal science advances in the journal science advances the study also suggests the modern human group was part of an incursion from eastern Medit from the eastern mediterranean coast that did not last long before they again vanished from Europe. One of the early ways of Homo sapiens migrating to the continent. They may have numbered a few hundred, including women and children. Okay, so read the rest of this article here. This is from February 9th, 2022. Earliest evidence of modern humans in Europe discovered in Africa. Okay, this is from NBCnews.com. 
All right, so let's continue here. Okay, so we have this uh, on Crete, new evidence of very ancient mariners. We look at other archaeological discoveries like um, the sunken city of the sunken Egyptian city, Tanis Heraklion, that was uh, swallowed into the sea about twelve hundred. Uh, it, was, it was about twelve hundred years ago. Um, the I think it's about twelve hundred years ago swallowed into the sea. Twelve hundred uh, sunken Egyptian city reveals twelve hundred year old city. Uh, yeah, it's lost for about 1,200 years. The the UK publication, the Telegraph, reports that 150 feet beneath the surface of Egypt's Bay of Abu Kir, they found 64 ships, 16-foot-tall statues, 700 anchors, countless gold coins, and smaller artifacts. Now, this was a discovery that was revealed in April of 2013. The uh, archaeologist who led the expedition, archaeologist Frank Gaudillo, estimates Tanis Heraklion was built around 8th century B.C., around 8th century B.C. Now, here is uh, an example of some of the things that were found. These statues are found at the bottom of the sea. That's... Um, the, the the legs of a statue broken off okay now some other things that we look at in the class besides numerous archaeological discoveries to to get a better understanding of history and how um it helps to really expand our minds also these archaeological discoveries uh we we deal with the problem with slave movies why are we being bombarded with slave movies and slave themed tv shows even though the history of slavery is important, but movies dealing with uh, African civilizations and us uh, ruling nations and things like this, that gets left out. We don't see those depictions largely. This is one of the reasons why the film Black Panther did so well, because it, it wasn't another slave movie and it showed African people ruling an African nation, the Africa, the, even though it's fictitious, the African nation of Wakanda. Um, we deal with Asara Seton Heru, who, and the origins of the Immaculate Conception story, as I talked about, the links between ancient Kemet, Egypt, and um, early Christianity. And early Christianity looked a lot like traditional African spiritual systems also. A lot of early Christians believed in a form of reincarnation. This is before the First Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, before the various ecumenical, ecumenical councils between 325 and about 1870 or so that change what people believe how they practice christianity things like this we look at freemasonry in america the fake willie lynch letter 1712 the african influence in the film black panther and a lot more now when we look at freemasonry and its foundation coming from the teachings uh from ancient kemet and the nile valley region of africa um we see as i was saying a few minutes ago 
the Washington Monument is a Tekken. That's an African symbol. And it comes from Freemasonry, it comes from ancient Kemet, the Tekken. There are about 1,200 Tekkenu all throughout ancient Kemet. Today, there's by some estimates less than 12. But we see that that's a symbol from Freemasonry also, the Tekken. Uhuru, and the Greeks called it an obelisk. Okay, we, we see the Washington, we see the uh, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. monument in Washington, D.C., and we see the Tekken in the distance. Now, the word um, Mason is derived from the Latin words mass and sun. Mason means child of light and expresses the desire to pursue light, which is a metaphor for the sun, which symbolizes knowledge. So when you watch cartoons, oftentimes you'll see the cartoon character has an idea so you'll see a light bulb go off over the cartoon character's head you'll see light associated with knowledge but then also even if you look at that's a bright idea referring to good referring to something positive and knowledge bright b-r-i-b-r-i-g-h-t in reference to light The term child of light or sons and daughters of light was used to identify students who had completed 42 years of study in the temples of ancient Kemet. Many Masonic temples were modeled after the temples of Kemet, places where light or knowledge was imparted in a series of steps or degrees, degrees. So the concept of liberal arts colleges comes from ancient Kemet and George G.M. James breaks this down in the book Stolen Legacy. Okay, uh, Greek philosophy is stolen Egyptian philosophy by George G.M. James. And he talks about the, uh, the, the seven liberal arts and the trivium and the quadrivium and the rhetoric and the, uh, and the um, the uh, arithmetic and logic and things like this and the seven liberal arts that were taught in the uh, the temples in ancient Kemet. Okay, so um, the concept of going to an institution of higher learning and getting your credentials in a series of steps or degrees comes out of ancient Africa. This is what we were doing. Now, 50 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence and uh, 13 of the 39 signers of the U.S. Constitution were Freemasons. Okay, check out page four, it's page 18 of Egypt on the Potomac by Tony Browder. Uh, we look at things like the Black Death, the bubonic plague that hits in from 13 hits and spurts from 1347 to 1400. One of the worst plagues in history arrived at Europe's shores in 1347. Five years later, some 25 to 50 million people were dead. Nearly 700 years after the Black Death, 
swept through Europe, it still haunts the world as the worst case scenario for an epidemic called the great mortality as it caused its devastation. This second great pandemic of bubonic plague became known as the Black Death in the late 17th century. Read this uh, article here, the Black Death from history.com, which is the official website of the History Channel. Uh, when we look at Masa Musa, who became emperor of the Mali Empire in 1312 AD, and we, and we look at Ghana, Songhai, and Mali, those three great West African empires. We, we deal with that in the class also. This article here from um, history.com talks about a comparison between Mansa Musa and T'Challa in the film Black Panther. Okay. Um, in the vast fictional universe of Marvel Comics, T'Challa, better known as Black Panther, is not only king of what of Wakanda, and Wakanda is a real a real word. Also, it's an ancient word. Um, he's also the richest superhero of them all. And although today's fight for the title of wealthiest person alive involves a tug of war between billionaire CEOs, the wealthiest person in history, Mansa Musa, has more in common with Marvel's first black superhero. Massa Musa became emperor or ruler of the Mali Empire in 1312 AD, taking the throne from his predecessor, Abu Bakr II, for whom he had served as deputy. And uh, Abu Bakr II went missing on a voyage he took to uh, by sea to find the edge of the Atlantic Ocean. Massa Musa's rule came at a time when European nations were struggling due to raging civil wars and a lack of resource and a lack of resources during that period the mali empire flourished thanks to ample natural resources like gold and salt so they're telling you that mali was flourishing when europe was in disarray and ravaged by civil war and poverty and lack of resources things like this Read this article here. The 14, uh, this 14th century African emperor remains the richest person in history. This is from March 19th, 2019, 2018, March 19th, 2018 from history.com. That was a, a month after the film Black Panther came out. But when we look at Black Panther, the, the Panther deity Bast, okay, comes from Bastet, out of ancient Kemet, Bastet. And uh, Bastet was a, uh, a comedic uh, deity or Egyptian goddess worshipped in the form of a lioness and later a cat. She was a goddess of warfare in Lower Kemet and worshipped as early as the Second Dynasty around 2890 BCE, before the Common Era. We'll talk, we talk about Bantu and, you know, different... Uh, different African cultures, different African ethnic groups, language groups. But what is Bantu? Bantu languages are a group of some 500 uh, languages belonging to the Bantoid subgroup of the Banu Congo branch of the Niger Congo language family. The Bantu languages are spoken in a very large area, including most of Africa from Southern Cameroon eastward to Kenya and southward to the southernmost tip of the continent of Africa. 
12 Bantu languages are spoken by more than 5 million people, including Rundi, Rwanda, Shona, Isikosa, you may see it expressed as Kosa, but Isikosa, and Zulu. Now, Swahili or Kiswahili, K-I, Kiswahili, which is spoken by 5 million people as a mother tongue and some 30 million as a second language is a Bantu lingua franca, important in both commerce and literature. Now, the language Kosa or Isikosa, that is the language spoken in the film Black Panther. The language that's speaking in the film Black Panther is a real African language, and it's a Bantu language. And Kiswahili is a Bantu language as well. So um, uh, we talk about Kujichagalia, and we talk about Umoja, and Ujama, things like this. Those are Bantu words. Because Kiswahili is a Bantu language as well. Um, what is Wakanda? So what we see the word Wakanda in the Omaha Ponca Native American language, the Sioux Indian language, it means possesses secret powers. Possesses secret powers. It's also a Bantu word as well. Wakanda is a very ancient uh, word. Uh, we, we look at different civilizations like Carthage and Hannibal Barca and the Battle of Kanai, 216 BC, things like this. Uh, the Kingdom of Great Zimbabwe, uh, Namidia, Axum. Okay, so we look at different African civilizations as well to get a better understanding of this history and look at a chronology of history. And we definitely look at uh, some of the history of the Africans known as the Moors who um, go in into the Iberian Peninsula 711 AD, and uh, they're going to def defeat the Vandals and the, uh, the, defeat the Vandals and the Visigoths, and they southern, uh, settle in the southern portion there of um, the Iberian Peninsula, today known as Spain and Portugal, and they call the area area that they settle in Al-Andalus, Al-Andalus, which basically means to walk in a, spiritual light or walk in the spiritual path al-andalus according to the oxford english dictionary the moors as early as the middle ages and as late as the 17th century were quote commonly supposed to be black or very swarthy and his hence the word is often used for negro end quote early in the eighth century uh, after a grim and extended resistance to the Arab invasions of, of North Africa, the Moors joined the triumphant, the triumphant surge of Islam. Following this, they crossed over from Morocco over to the Iberian Peninsula, today known as Spain and Portugal, and it's right, Spain and Portugal is right above Morocco, where the Moors are going in. Iberian Peninsula, where they where their swift victories and remarkable feats soon became the substance of legends. Soon became the substance of legends. So once again, just keep in mind this is just a this is just a brief overview of some of the things that we cover in this ten week online class. Okay, I'm just I'm just skimming the surface here. Uh, so you can register for this uh, online class. And I'll post a link again at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com.
and we'll post a link here again also. And the name of this class is, I'm doing a preview right now. The name of this class is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. So in July, in July uh, 17 AD, Common Era, with 400 foot soldiers and 100 horses, all Berbers, successfully, uh, Tarif uh, successfully carried out a mission in southern Iberia. Tarif, an important uh, port city in southern Spain, is named after him. And it is clear, however, that the conquest of Spain, so there was a reconnaissance uh, mission in 710 AD to get the lay of the land and see what they were up against. And then they actually really invade in 711 AD, led by Tariq Ibn Ziyad. It is clear, however, that the conquest of Spain was undertaken upon the initiative of Tariq Ibn Ziyad, Tariq was in command of an army of at least 10,000 men. Here's a depiction of Tariq. In 711 Common Era, the bold Tariq crossed the straits and disembarked near a rock promontory, promontory which from the, that day since has borne his name, Jebel Tariq, Jebel Tariq, which means Tariq's mountain is we know it as Gibraltar, also referred to as the Rock of Gibraltar. Gibraltar, that mountain Gibraltar, is named after an African man, Tariq Ibn Ziyad. In August 711 Common Era AD, Tariq won paramount victory over the opposing European army. On the eve of the battle, Tariq is alleged to have aroused his troops with the following words. My brethren, the enemy is before you. The sea is behind. Whither would ye fly? Follow your general. I am resolved either to lose my life or to trample on the prostrate king of the Romans. End quote. Wasting no time to relish his victory, Tariq pushed on with his dashing and seemingly tireless Moorish cavalry to the Spanish city of Toledo. Within a month's time, General Tariq Ibn Ziyad had effectively terminated European dominance of the Iberian Peninsula. This is a fantastic, this is an excerpt of a fantastic article that um, Renoko Rashidi wrote for AtlantaBlackStar.com from June 1st, um, June 1st, 2014 and i interviewed renoko about his book black presence the african uh, uh, black star the african presence in early europe and we talked about this article also more saints knights and kings the african presence in medieval and renaissance europe and um that book is one of the uh, books that we use in the class as well okay these are two books that I referenced. Now, this is by Renoko Rashidi, Black Star, The African Presence in Early Europe by Renoko Rashidi. Fantastic, fantastic book. Has a lot of pictures of him in Europe showing um, things like the Black Madonna and Child, things like this. This is page 90, showing statues of the Black Madonna and Child that he took. He took these pictures. 
uh, in uh, Switzerland, Poland, uh, Spain, Madrid, Spain, Luxem Luxembourg City, Luxembourg. And then also this book here, Golden Age of the Moor, edited by Dr. Vi Ivan Van Sertima, but uh, Renoko Rashidi has a essay in here and uh, Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay and uh, Jan Carew and uh, Dr. Wayne Chandler, they all have essays in this book. This is one of the best books, one of the best books dealing with the history of the Moors, Golden Age of the Moor. Okay, so we talk about the uh, Black Death, who bound the play. We talk about Christopher Columbus, and also uh, one of the, one of the other books that we uh, use is Christopher Columbus in the African Holocaust: Slavery and the Rise of European Capitalism by uh, Dr. John Henrik Clark. And when we look at where Columbus went on his four voyages, he never comes to the land that we call the United States of America, as I've said before. We see him uh, going to uh, uh, Cuba in 1492, Cuba, the Bahamas, Hispaniola, where the uh, Dominican Republic and Haiti is. Uh, 1494, West Indies, he goes into um, uh, Puerto Rico and Jamaica, Congress, Jamaica. And then we know the British are going to take control uh, over Jamaica. Um, May 1498, Trinidad and Venezuelan mainland, um, 1504, Panama and Honduras. Okay. If you go to history.com, they have some good information. They're dealing with Christopher Columbus as well. So we, we go through and analyze the transatlantic slave trade also from its beginnings. Uh, what was the transatlantic slave trade? The forced journey of African people from Europe to Africa to the Americas, trinkets in Trinkets from Europe were exchanged for Africans or used uh, uh, for money to purchase them. It lasts from the 1440s through 1865 or so and even later in, in Brazil. We look at the Middle Passage as well, which is the leg of the triangular trade from Africa to the Americas, the New World. Uh, we deal with there were at least 200, 262 skills, trades and crafts. That African people had in this country from 1619 to 1865, at least 262 skills, trades, and crafts. Uh, the book, The Other Slaves, Mechanics, Artisans, and Craftsmen, that came out in 1978 by James Newton and Ronald Lewis, lays out all these skills, skills trades, and crafts. We look at uh, Ghana, Sunghai, and Mali, these three great West African nations, and Ghana was originally called Wagadu. Ghana goes back to um, about 300 BC in West Africa. OK, so this is just a brief overview of some of the history that we deal with in this 10 week online class that I keep teach ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't what they didn't teach you in school. All right. So you can register for this class at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's right on the home page. You scroll down, you'll see it there. And uh, I'll post a link here again. We have the link in the thread of this broadcast. As soon as you register, you can start watching content. We have bonus content you can watch. Uh, there's 15 bonus lectures you're going to get from me in digital format uh, when you register for this class. Uh, and that's part of the uh, Michael M. Hotel Black History Month 15 DVD bundle pack. OK, but you're going to get that in digital format 
when you register for this class classes on sale eighty dollars regularly 130 dollars we do the classes on saturdays 2 p.m to 4 p.m eastern standard time you can watch from around the world uh you can use this information with your children as well you can the children can watch the class also i would say the information is pg-13 uh you can order this uh, dvd bundle pack here if you like from our website africanhistorynetwork.com it's 15 of my lectures and there's one that deals with the origins of african-american history month as well it's about a three-hour presentation that i did uh so that's on sale that 15 dvd bundle packs on sale 100 dollars. and then on sunday Days I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. So this second class picks up basically where the first class leaves off. In each class, we go through and analyze about a 10, 15, 20 year period, period of time. We start in 1803 with the Louisiana Purchase which doubles the territory of the United States and increases the need for enslaved Africans. But the Louisiana purchase happens because one of the reasons why is because uh, the Haitians are beating the hell out of the French and France is trying to raise money. Um, so we, so we have this class also as well. And when we look at the uh, civil war reconstruction, 1865, 1877, Jim Crow era, world, world war one, world war two, the great migration, 1915 and 1970. Look at the civil rights movement, the black power movement. Uh, so both classes are on sale, $80 each. They're regularly $130 each. We have a bundle pack and we can register for both classes for only $120. And, uh, and once again, once you register for the class, you have access to it um, for forever, basically. Um, so a year, two years from now, if you want to go back and watch the entire course, you'll still have access to it. Okay. So you can watch it at your own pace. You don't have to be present in class. In class, um, I do it virtually at our online school, but you see me, I don't see you. So you don't have to worry about, you know, you can watch wearing pajamas and a bonnet or whatever you want to do. If you've taken classes with me before, my online classes with, with me before, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. You get a 50% discount on the new classes and the bundle, okay? Email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. But I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. So um, you're going to learn a lot. It's, it's, it'll keep you engaged. All right, look, we have to get out of here. Um, remember the African. It, it, also, if you like this type of information as well, you want to support the African History Network. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. We have the information right on the homepage of our website. And uh, be sure to watch my show and listen to uh, my show Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time. Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the African History Network show. I'm on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. And we broadcast on our social media platforms also when we're live on Facebook, the African History Network, YouTube, Michael M. Hotel. You can listen to audio podcasts here or wherever you get your audio podcasts from. Search for the African History Network show. And you can download the iHeartRadio app and search for the African History Network show there because we have a, a page. Uh, we have a channel on iHeartRadio. And you can listen to I, um, 9, 10 a.m. 
uh, WFDF. You can listen to the, uh, that station live through iHeartRadio also. All right, uh, we have to get out of here. Remember, the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct for own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll see you in class. Peace.